Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so good to be with you. I want to honor you for just fighting the good fight, showing up every day to try again. Maurice, thanks for being here today. We're so glad you're here. As you can tell by looking at us, we're ready. We are ready. (laughs) We're full of questions and we're excited to have you. I'm trying not to be intimidated around so many amazing women. Holy cow, everyone looks sharp and strong and I'm all, well, maybe I can find at least one useful thing to say, which one useful thing to say is I'm not going to try very hard to embarrass her, but BJ is definitely one of our atmosphere angels who always provides uplifting things for us to hear and see it all. So thank you, BJ. Appreciate it. Thanks, Marie. So good. I couldn't agree more. Ain't nobody else got, got readiness to answer. And I am from Idaho, so if I talk weird and I have poor grammar, I write much better than I talk. So <laughs> sometimes we do a primer one. Karen and BJ are very familiar with the common questions that mothers have. But I hope this is not the place to be, what do you call it, courteous like a fasted testimony movement. We almost always run out of time. So please jump to the front of the line and get your question on the table. And oftentimes you may not know your question. You may just have a situation. Here's my situation. I don't even know what my question is. So we can usually figure out the questions if we just hear the situation. BJ, do we have anyone who has given us something to start with? Yeah, I do have a question that came in the chat. And so I will ask that. I was making sure I understood that the question right. So help me help clarify if you asked the question and I didn't quite hit it. Just type me something else. And then Marisa, I'll just put my hand up in my square. 
got something privately or or in the chat and then you'll know if you've got Thank something. You. Good idea. So, Good. And then moms, feel free to just put your hand up like Karen said in your square. If we see your hand go up in your square, we'll know that you have a question or you can type something in the chat. Sometimes you have something that you're thinking, I do want to ask something, but I don't want to ask it to everybody. You can just send it to me privately, but yeah, that you're welcome to just unmute and ask us and ask as well. Okay. Here's the, here's the first question. Thanks for the question. I need help with a paradigm shift. The thought of being an instrument in anyone's hands is a major trigger because of past experiences, especially with men. I am finally finding that God is not one to abuse his children. What's another way to look at this or approach it and not to feel used or triggered? That's a good one. I have some good news. I actually was pondering that question this morning. I was trying to think through my role in the hands of God. I, I have a great appreciation, but for a different reason. I was raised with all brothers and no sisters. And when I entered the world of therapy, <clears throat> I was naive and ambitious thinking I could actually serve women. I'd never seen any serious pain in the world. My mom and dad were decent parents. There was no, I mean, there was Idaho style parenting, but I wouldn't classify it as abusive. It was just old school style and I don't feel abused by them. But uh, so when I entered the world of therapy, I was pretty naive towards all the types of abuse women can go through starting as children. I was reading a book, rather listening to a book this morning while I was getting ready for the day. And it referred a little more directly to some of those pains. And I, knowing that I was raised as a knuckle dragger, as a coarse man, I knew early on that I was going to need to nurture the spirit of empathy. And sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes it's too painful for me to empathize with what you ladies go through. I have gained the gift of feeling some of what you go through. I am aware that it's about 10% of the pain that you go through when you have been hurt, when you have been mistreated, when you have been used. And I'm horrified to say that this is way more calm than I ever thought it was. So I, I will never have enough compassion to heal your wounds because their wounds are too big. But I have a great deal of sadness and sorrow for you, whether it's trauma from your childhood, trauma from your marriage, or trauma from what your kids do, because some children can be traumatized. Some kids can really hurt their parents. So when you've been misused, the idea of offering yourself to be a tool in the hands of God, for me, I was very reluctant for. I don't know, selfish reasons or like, I remember my first thing was a lack of trust. I have two older brothers that were a bit psychologically abusive, but very little compared to what I've seen other people go through. And I just hated having someone have power over me. Having, you know, I was a little guy growing up and my two older brothers would physically torture me sometimes. Of course, that got passed on to the littler ones. They would psychologically harass me. And so when it was suggested that I turn myself over to the hands of God, I was really reluctant. But 
in one of my conversations with God, and I learned to be pretty candid, like I don't really want a relationship with a God who isn't comfortable with me being candid. I want to be able to be straightforward. And I needed to be able to say, I don't trust you. So the first thing I would suggest is I would say directly to God, I don't trust you. Now think about that from his perspective. Because he's seen what you've been through, that's not going to surprise him. And it's not going to hurt his feelings either. Okay? It's not going to surprise him or hurt his feelings. When he talked to me about what I've been through and he's, I said, I don't trust you. He says, okay, I get that. And then we had a long conversation about his personality and how he was different from my dad and how he's different from my brothers and how he's different from everybody else. And I needed to study a lot of scriptures to find representations of his personality. I needed to read many, many books from modern day prophets and their apostles in seventies to get a feel for his personality. And for those of you who are new here, I have this bizarre relation with God. You know how he can speak in Japanese, Korean, and Spanish, and French? Well, apparently his language with me is sarcasm, because that apparently is the language I understand. So bear with me, because my wife says he's never sarcastic with me, and I'm all, really? He's always sarcastic with me. So says, well, that's the language you understand. When he says Harker, and he always calls me Harker, you know, like, guys do with guys when they're kind of like slapping them in the back of the head kind of thing like Harker pay attention for a second first of all do you think I would have done all the work it was to become a god if it wasn't something I wanted to be like it wasn't something enjoyable okay all right so that it wasn't something that unpleasant I'm all oh and he says do you really think I would invest all this energy in something just to like ruin your life or to control you I'm all oh he says, oh, you got to start to see this from a better perspective. The perspective is that I want to empower you. I want to enlighten you. Take it. Pretend you're a dad. What do you want for your sons? What do you want for your daughters? You, in an ideal world, you want to help them blossom into something even better than you were and help them grow and empower them and give them capabilities and just like an air, paper airplane off a tall building, you just want to push them out there and they just fly. Okay, so that's what I want to do with you. I just want to take all of your pieces and just watch you fly. And at first it was an act of faith to say, okay, like how does this work? And I invite all of you, if you haven't done so, to take a look at my background. I'm a nobody. I'm a middle child from a potato family, farming family from Idaho. I'm not a big deal. I'm not important. I don't do anything really that matters, anything that's a big deal. I just chose to plug myself into this God guy, start pulling off of the energy that Moses used to get the Israelites out of Egypt, that Nephi used to build a ship that Joseph Smith used. I'm just plugging into the same energy that was been used before. And then I just do small and simple things. I don't ever have to do anything against my will. God doesn't say, I want you to do this, even though it's against your will. I never have to do anything against my will. I never have since I have been a tool in his hands. Sometimes I'm a little sketchy about it. Like, you want me to do what? Like, learn how to be empathetic? Ooh. He's all, well, you're going to need it if you want to accomplish your goals. And so I gain something. And the promise that he made to me that if you do this, you're really going to like yourself 
you're really going to like you. I like who I've become way more than the plan I had for myself in my early 20s. I like me way more than that. And he's never abused the relationship. So my question is, is now that my son has come home from his mission and he's having some lost battles, I don't know what my role is. Is mm. it with him being back in the home? And I know that he's in the sense of he's men, but I don't know or understand my role. I'm kind of struggling just with that. I can just feel like there's just like this tension between him and I. So to build on that one, the surprising thing is that your role is less, which is often aggravating for moms because they want to have more of an impact. And that is what is so powerful and amazing about moms is that they want to have impact. Okay. You want to feel useful. You want to feel meaningful. But part of what I've learned over the years is that God gave them and us 80 plus years to get it all right. So it's a very slow evolution and growth process. And so sometimes moms have an accidental timeline. Like I need to make sure I have my impact by the time he's 23. I need to make sure that he's responded to my impact by the time he's 25. I just need to make sure he's on the right track by the time he leaves my house. That is not how God works with humans. Okay. These journeys that people go through are long and winding. And they could need to go through to become a prophet. They might need to live the Alma, the Alma, the younger lifestyle for a while. Okay. To become Paul, they might need to live like Saul for a while. Okay. You got stories like Joseph Smith, who gets brought onto the path as a 14 year old. And you got some, I don't know how old Paul was. I'm pretty sure he was in his 30s, maybe 40s before he had his walk into Damascus experience. So it's really vital that you don't have a timeline for your influence. And so the best thing you can be is to stay by the tree, to show that your religion has powerful impact on you. When you get to, when a young man is, or a young woman is coming of age and she's wondering if what my parents taught me all those years is going to be valuable or meaningful, then they watch you. Now that they have a frontal lobe, but now that they're seeing more of you clearly, now that they are out of your control, they will watch you and they'll watch how you apply the principles to you. And if you can show that the gospel gets you through hard things, the eternal principles get you through challenges, you are happy most of the time, even though circumstances are difficult, you study the conference talks and you make efforts to apply them, you use the pattern for growth that is taught to the children, even as an adult, you don't overburden yourself with fear and responsibility and panic. The greatest gift you can give them is just to be a person who knows how to apply the principles and then just study President Nelson and President Hinckley's teaching style. I call it the blindfolded seed thrower. Okay. They just get up there and they get their cheesy smile on. They get all smiley and happy and they close their eyes and reach into their bag and just chuck a bunch of seeds out to the audience, having no clue what people are going to do with it. No idea. They never 
make sure we apply the principles. They're never making sure we're doing what we're told. They never follow up on this. Okay. So when you're in mom mode of a person who's over 20, possibly over 18, as soon as they really, really, really stop taking you seriously, you just chuck principles out there and then you walk away and you get a greasy, cool, groovy smile on your face like Nelson and Hinkley did. And they, you can believe me, you cannot believe me, you can apply it, you cannot apply it. Of course, your temple's going to crumble and you're going to have a whole bunch of marble stones on your head. But hey, if that's how you like it, just go for that. I'm going to be over here being happy while you're over there digging yourself out of rubble. But the atonement's powerful. Christ will help you dig yourself out of it. It'll be fine. Have a great day. See you next time. I hope that helps. Thank you. BJ, what do you got for me? Okay. Thank you for the questions. Yeah, moms, feel free to remember you can raise your hands or unmute this. It's super meaningful when people say, hey, here's my situation or here's a question. All right, here we go. I am trying so hard to have peace in my heart, my mother heart. I feel encouraged and uplifted each Tuesday. And for a time, I feel like I can do it. And then I feel hurt, betrayed, and guilty. I love the Lord and the gospel and my family, but I feel like I am constantly repenting for my judgmental thoughts. Thank you. All right. Let's talk about judgmental thoughts first. Okay. I hope that you've all read through the Like Dragons book. We have a woman who spoke to me yesterday, one of our longtime Eternal Warriors leaders who is considering the idea of rewriting the book for adult women and keeping all the principles that are the main principles that are taught, but talking about adult women lost battles that have nothing to do with sexuality so that you can have that as a resource for you. I told her, I don't have time to write it, <laughs> but if you want to write it, you can. She goes, you want me to write it? I'm all, you're a wonderful writer. You'll do great. <laughs> She's like, don't do that, Marie. It's one of my specialties. I'm a great delegator. So I have a talent for that. Okay. But feeling guilty, the reason I bring up the Like Dragons book is because it's vital that you know the modern day psychological warfare techniques of Satan. Okay. These are not techniques that are only used on teenage boys. And while temptation is one of Satan's favorite weapons we've all read about and are familiar with the concept of satanic torment okay but what we don't realize is the thoughts that you're having on a regular basis in these situations is torment and last time i checked satan is still really mean he's not against making women cry he's not against making you feel horrible he's not against slamming you in the face with things that are painful. So if you were my clients, first thing I would do is check to see if there's any legitimate reason you're feeling guilt because experiencing the intrusive, unrequested thought of a negative nature, intrusive, negative thought of an involuntary nature, I think I mixed up my words, but it's okay, is not you, okay? Any thought that is designed to bring you down, to flatten you, 
to knock your feet out from underneath you, to knock the wind out of you, is not a message from the Holy Ghost. Okay? It's designed to demoralize you. All right? We have a whole training system to help you work through the details of this called Eternal Warriors. It's designed specifically for people who are not fighting sexual self-mastery issues, but these types of psychological warriors, because I could, I was just running through my brain, I could spend the next three hours on this subject. Okay? But the resources are available and they're very inexpensive to talk you through it in more detail. Because if you can't identify when Satan's messing with your head, then you won't feel at liberty to do that thing we've heard before in one of our sacred ceremonies to crush his head. Seems a little violent. Seems a little intense. But we have lots of war chapters. We're studying from the Old Testament, Come Follow Me, and lots of war chapters in the Book of Mormon that remind us there's a pretty good chance that women had to be involved in war also and might have had to go through the uncomfortable process of running a sword through someone else's ribcage. And I'm willing to guess that that would be uncomfortable for most of you. Okay, what are you doing this weekend? I'm practicing running a sword through someone else's ribcage. Why? Because I'm at war. That seems weird. Well, it's either that or my kids get killed. So Welcome to the generation where it's psychological war and you must fight back and you must fight back hard because they ain't stopping teaching us about war. And they're telling us that Satan is not going to back off. And if you're being tormented with guilt, especially if there's humans helping, because it's not uncommon for husbands and children to say, Mom, you're parenting wrong. Mom, I don't feel loved. Mom, you're giving me too many consequences. Mom. You're doing this wrong. Mom, you're doing that wrong. Okay. I want to remind you that people who are under the age of 25 and older are not specialists on parenting. They are not qualified to teach you how to be a parent. I've had mothers of 13-year-olds say, my kid says I'm doing it all wrong. I'm trying to take them seriously. And I'm all a 13-year-old. Okay. And last time you checked, does a 17-year-old have very many more brains than a 13-year-old? Please do not take children seriously when they tell you how to parent. They're not qualified to give you feedback. Okay? You're going to get hurt and betrayed by their actions. You will be hurt and betrayed. I'm sad to tell you that you are on a battlefield. You are on a battlefield. You are going to get hurt. And you're going to get betrayed. I wish I could tell you otherwise. But that's what happens on this planet. Even Christ experienced betrayal from his, one of his most loyal friends. So please, I appreciate that you don't want to be betrayed and you don't want to be hurt, but you're going to be. All right. Now, the desire to feel peace, the desire to feel like you live in a celestial world is very, very important for you to keep feeling. It is an energy that's planted inside you similar to what geese, ducks, wells, and salmon have that pull them in a direction that they don't understand why the pull is so strong. We call this pull celestial orientation. It is a drive every woman I've ever met has for life to be experienced as celestial, for people to be peaceful, for people to be kind, for atmospheres to be encouraging and uplifting, for there to be no hurt and no betrayal. 
ladies, you are blessed with this pull as a gift slash curse from God to always be pulling the world in that direction. If you want a horrifying thought, take a second to think about what this world would be like if you didn't have that pull. Imagine what would happen to this planet if all women lost their unstoppable craving to celestialize everything. It would be Lord of the Flies and we'd all go to hell really fast. Okay. All right. I hope that answers that. Any follow-up questions on that one or the others? I know and I understand the principles and the dragons, but, but how can we tell what is Satan working honest? What is our natural man and what is a chemical imbalance like OCD? It's all causing you to not trust any thoughts, including those coming from the spirit. When the son is feeling paralyzed, he cannot move forward in his life because this is his thought process. He says he can't move forward because of the masses of thoughts bombarding him nonstop and he doesn't know how to sort them out. How can I help him? What can I do? All right. Let's talk about that for a second. One of the most bizarre revelations that I got along the way in Marie's talk is you need to feel your thoughts before you think your thoughts. You need to feel your thoughts before you think your thoughts. Stephen Covey talks about a inbox where before you start processing thoughts, you want to take a look at them and decide if they go in the garbage before they go into the processor, kind of like sorting rocks and potatoes on a conveyor belt going into a French fry machine. Got a whole parable about that. It's really funny. Okay. We don't really want rocks and other unfortunate things to go into our French fry machine. We don't want to process things that are mess, messed up already before we even look at them. For those of you who have been working on the spirit of discernment for a while, a thought from the Holy Ghost always has a familiar flavor to it, a familiar smell, a familiar sensation. If you want to test this out, get a piece of paper out and start writing it down because then it'll become very clear to you. What doesn't it feel like when Satan is telling you you've done something wrong? This one's an important one. What does it feel like when the Holy Ghost is telling you you've done something wrong? It's not hard to figure out. You already know what it is because it's what you do when your child does something wrong and you're in perfect mom mode. You remember that one day when you were in perfect mom mode, like you were boom, right on it and sharp and clear and your child did something wrong and you walked up to them in a stern but extremely loving and caring and nurturing tone. And you said, you know what? I don't need to tell you you did something wrong. You have a conscience of your own. And I'm so proud of you that you're going to be attentive to that and make the changes necessary to be a better and whole person by the time we're done with this exchange. How's that? Was that good? Did I sound like a mom there? <laughs> hey? Was that weird? For, I mean, other than the fact that it's maybe a little over the top and it sounds like a guy talking, but does everyone have a vision for a perfect mom mode, even if you've never pulled one off? Is that a mystery to anyone? Okay, you got it in your head? Okay, that's how the Holy Ghost talks when you do something wrong, especially when you're trying as hard as you are. All right, especially when you're trying hard. He doesn't yell at people. Like, imagine someone taking piano. And like they make a few mistakes on it and then they're trying really hard. You yell at them. I can't believe you got it wrong again. You idiot. Oof, I got to remember some of you actually were raised like that. So sorry if I'm triggering someone. Okay. I'm so sorry. But remember, all of you have a celestial vision of how, how it's, it's handled when the Holy Ghost is talking. 
So please write down a description of what it feels like for the Holy Ghost to talk to you. Moms, it's really important that you do this before you try to teach it to your sons so you're very familiar with the process. And then on the other side of the page, write down what it feels like when Satan's talking to you. Now, you're going to have some aha experiences while you do this, like, oh, wait, I've known that this the whole time, but I, for some reason, it's confusing to me when it's happening. Some of the words I've heard lots of people say, I feel flattened. I feel twisted. I feel gooey. I feel disrupted, panicky, low, uninvested. Do I need to go on? Does anyone think that any of those are from the Holy Ghost? You know, sometimes the Holy Ghost really makes me depressed. I really feel unmotivated after the Holy Ghost to spend time with me. Right? Probably not. Now, let me give you a warning. The human brain is kind of like a big piece of dirt behind your house. All right? Some of you have moved into a new house. Some of you have had some area where you grew a garden last year or there used to be horses on a pasture or whatever. There's a big empty spot or maybe it's a three foot by three foot spot in front of your house by the porch that you used to put flowers in, but you don't anymore. All right? What happens to a piece of dirt when you don't plant anything in it on purpose? Okay, it grows weeds. What a shocker. Okay, all by itself. You don't even have to go out there and plant them. Isn't that handy? Those weeds are so generous. Okay, you look outside, all by them lonesomes with our own willpower, they grow weeds. And for some reason, ain't no corn or zucchini or flowers or palm trees growing out there on accident. It's just weeds. Okay. How do you keep weeds from growing? We put lots of flowers, lots of plants. We do this thing called plant grass. So the grass can cover the whole thing and choke out all the weeds, at least most of them, except dandelions, whatever is up with that. Okay. So if you are, here's the warning. If you sit there looking at your brain, waiting for it to grow something useful, you're only going to get weeds. If all you do is watch your brain do its thing, you're only going to get weeds. I believe in cheating on this matter substantially. Cram as much truth into your brain all day long as you can until you're bursting out your earlobes with more truth. When you wake up in the morning, push play. Start playing something that's true before you even have time to think about anything. Keep the recordings going. You don't have to study conference talks and scriptures. You can just listen to them without studying them. Just keep Letting them plant, 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 more planting, more planting, more planting, more planting. I, when I'm not at work, I usually average somewhere between four and eight hours a day of listening to conference talks, scriptures, and uplifting things, mostly because I have attention deficit disorder, and it only takes me seven minutes to start growing weeds in my head. Okay? Doesn't take very long to start having weeds grow in my brain. I don't know about you, but it's really obnoxious to have unpleasant things in your brain within a short period of time. And then Satan blames you for it. Like, why did you go and buy weed seeds and plant them in your brain? Why do you want to have tormenting thoughts? Why do you want to have temptation? Why do you do this to yourself? Do you want to know why they say it like that? Because the scientists don't believe in Satan. So if it's not Satan, it has to be you. So they blame you for it. I hope you know by now that Satan can talk to you in your own voice, in your head. Okay? 
scary thought, unpleasant thought, but he's been doing it for years. And I was just reading a book published in 2001 before Sons of Hema was even started in 2005. A man from a whole different religion, a counselor, psychologist, was talking about this very concept of Satan talking to people in their own voice in their head before I even became a therapist. Okay. It's a great book for boys anyway. It's called Wild at Heart. Some moms won't like it because it really teaches boys to be very manly as opposed to being very soft and cushy. Okay. Some moms don't want their sons to be manly. It's a weird concept, but I don't think any of those moms are here. Okay. All right. Did I answer those questions excessively and too much? BJ, what else do you have for me? Thank you, Maurice. This is a great class today. Let's see. There is another question that came in the chat, and we're always watching for hands in your squares. Let's see. I'm wondering how to love someone who I don't quite trust. What's the relationship between trusting and love? Excellent question. Let's add another word in there, forgiveness. It's really important that you separate love, trust, and forgiveness. Okay? Those are not identical words. They do not mean the same thing. Right? Love is something we can have for all people. Love is something we tend to have for all people because people are lovable. Okay? Even as the Lamanites don't attack your Nephite city for a while, you're probably going to start to love them as long as they stay over there. You know, I love you guys way over there. Now, imagine an unfortunate series of events where for a year or two, you have to get your sword out and run it through the chests of Lamanites because they're coming to take your children and assault them and hurt them and you. And so you have to spend some time fighting back doing things that are traumatizing to your brain just to protect yourself. Let's remember that a woman killing people will traumatize your brain. We have a whole parable about that called the Haida woman crossing the plains. Okay, that's available to you. So then the missionaries, those crazy little 19-year-olds or older, sons of Mosiah, whatever, go over there and they convert those same Lamanites that spent the last few years attacking. All right? As part of their repentance process, they start walking towards your house with a basket of food and bread. All right, now think about what that would feel like. Do you trust them? No. No, 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 no. Why is it logical to not trust them? I don't know. Maybe once when they came over, back when they were attacking you, they brought a basket of vegetables and fruits and bread and said, we were converted and we're here to bring you fruits and vegetables and bread. And then they drop their basket and start attacking you with a knife. All right. So they're liars. They misrepresent the truth. They are sneaky. And now they're coming to you this time and go, no, for real, for real this time, for real. See, the sons of Mosiah over there, they converted us. They're waving from the distance. Yay. Okay. And we can be trusted. All right. Can you love them and be happy for them with their conversion? You guys just build your own temple over there. You just have a great time. Raise your kids in the gospel. Send me posts. Send me photos. Send me a, a link on Facebook and I'll celebrate and I'll put a little heart, heart emoji on it saying, good for you. Good for you. Okay. But don't come to my house. All right. 
I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I can't protect my family and I can't discern your truthfulness. I don't have what it takes to know whether or not you're lying to me. I can ask God, but does he tell us every time whether or not someone could be trustworthy or women? How many times you've been hurt by people you thought you could trust? Okay. Just think the beginning of that. That happens most of your lives, right? Now, can you forgive someone and still not trust them? Can you forgive someone and still not trust them? Absolutely. Let's use a banker's analogy for this, okay? Banker loans out $10,000 to someone, all right? The person squanders the money, doesn't use it the way they told you they were going to use it, waste it, and they can't pay you back, all right? So they come into your bank again. They go, I am so sorry. I have the best excuses ever. Rationale, explanation, excuse, rationale, explanation, excuse. And you go, fine, great. You know what? I'll forgive your debt. Can't get a water out of a rock anyway. So you know what? I forgive you. And they say, oh, good. How about another $10,000? And you go, no, no, no. But if you forgive me, you trust me. Can you see how ridiculous that is in a banker's analogy? Okay, can you forgive and still not trust? When I'm working with men, I really use the banker's analogy a lot because what do bankers watch for very closely to gain trust? They don't listen to anything you say. They don't hear what you're talking about. They just sit there looking at their computer screen, watching your credit score. How long does it take to ruin a credit score? Okay, a weekend? Okay, if you really want to kill it, you can take a whole two weeks and kill your credit score. You can take it from 800 down to 250 in three weeks. All you got to do is just ruin everything. Now, once it's down at 250, how long does it take to get it back up to 800? How many times do you have to pay the same bill every month? How many times do you have to cover this and cover that and make sure this is handled, make sure that's handled? How long before a banker will trust you again if you've crushed your credit? Okay. Why should that be any different with human psychology? You can still forgive someone, but that doesn't mean you trust them. And you're already going to love them because you're women. That's just what you do. And sometimes men can do it too. You love everybody, even love the bad guys in movies because maybe he's not the bad guy in real life. Okay? Maybe he's a nice guy that's acting like a bad guy. Okay, Because, you know, that person was nice to me before. I don't really want to throw rocks at them because maybe they'll be nice to me later just because they're throwing spears at me. doesn't make me want to throw rocks at them. Okay, ladies, you always love people. It's just part of your nature. But if someone continues to break your trust, you're going to build up a safety wall to like them less so you get hurt less. All right, BJ, what else you got for us? Moms, anyone have something they're thinking about? Don't know if they want to ask now it's a great time we've got about 10 more minutes with maurice i don't have something that anything else in the chat i do have common questions that are common to lots of mamas <laughs> give us the common one because maybe that'll be comforting to the other ladies to know because if you don't know bj is the one who is on the phone with all the new moms and gets to hear their fears and get familiar with what's what's going on okay so BJ, what do you what do you hear regularly from the moms when you first meet them? You know, probably just one of the most common things is just feeling like 
when my kids struggle with things, when they struggle or when they make mistakes or when they choose to live in a way that's different than the way I taught, I just feel like it was because of something I did do or didn't do. I'm the reason for this and I need to also fix it. And so that's just a really common one to just feel like, oh, I'm a failure and I caused this. What do you got to say about that? That's a vital, that's a vital one that we need to review. Your own doctrine, your own religion already teaches you how to handle this, but sometimes we don't see the connection, right? The first one is make sure no matter how interconnected you feel with your children, Yes, they were inside of you at one point. Yes, you gave birth to them. Yes, you nursed them through their, their infancy stage. It's not really a mystery why a mother feels so connected to their children. But you've been told all along that these are not your children. You've been told all along that these are people you have a temporary stewardship over. And so it's important to remind yourself of that along the way. Naturally, that is uncommon for mothers to start to disown their children on purpose. It's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about disowning them. It's about being ready to hand them back over to the father after you fulfill your stewardship so that they can now be full adults just like you've become. You don't think of your parents having stewardship of you right now, right? How many of you say, I'm messed up because of my parents and I'm going to stay messed up because of my parents at the age you are now. Okay. That's a silly idea that anyone would have now. Like I might have some things to work with, but by the time you're your age, you're thinking my mom tried her best and made mistakes. My dad tried his best and made mistakes and I can recover from that. My sanity, my lifestyle is not dependent on my parents. I choose my lifestyle. I choose how I want to live. If I need psychological help to get through something my parents did to me, I have access to that. I can get through that. I can use the atonement to be healed from things. I can do that. I don't even need my parents to tell me to do it. Please remember what you've become, notwithstanding your parents. And I can almost guarantee your mom was worse than you are. Okay? I can almost guarantee your mom is worse than you are, or you wouldn't be in this meeting. Okay. So if you turned out this good with flawed mothering, your children have that option also. But we don't talk much about how he was a bad mom. Remember that one Relief Society lesson when we talked about how he was a bad mom? Why do you not remember that? Because we never had that lesson, right? But isn't it her fault that Cain killed Abel? I mean, let's take a look at that, okay? No other influence on the kid. No other parents in the community. No media, no movies, no radios, no music. There's only one explanation for why a king killed Abel, and that's because Cain, uh, uh, Eve was a bad mom. All in favor? No. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because that was Cain's spirit and personality that he chose to be. What about those lovely brothers, Laman and Lemuel? Remember that lesson we had in Relief Society where we talked about how Sariah was at fault for Laman and Lemuel? Okay, that if she just would have had one more family home evening, if she just would have said prayers one more time, 
if she just would have kicked him in the pants a few more times, then Laman and Lemuel would have not turned out that way. You know, when I was restudying first Nephi for the second time recently, I was surprised to count how many times Nephi and his parents tried with Laman and Lemuel. I think we counted up to like seven to 10 high quality lectures. You think you're good at lecturing your kids? Read some of those lectures that Nephi gave Laman and Lemuel and put yours up against those and see if you got a better lecture than he had. And what were the results of his efforts? Laman and Lemuel still turn out like Laman and Lemuel. And how do you explain Nephi and Sam? Remember that older kid you have that you're afraid is going to have a bad influence on your younger kids? You know, they run around trying to kill their father. You know, your older kids always trying to kill their dad. Yeah, no, no, no one has a kid trying to kill a dad. Well, that's what Soraya was dealing with, with her older kids. And she's all, I'm worried you're having a bad influence on Nephi and Sam. How come Nephi and Sam did not succumb to the bad influence of Laman and Lemuel? Because they had their own spirits. They had their own minds. They had their own hearts. Okay. Mothers, I have a very strong testimony. You do not get to pick how your kids turn out. You don't. They are not blank slates. They are not empty brains that are, that are the result of whatever you put in them. I have met really good or really good kids come from horrible backgrounds. And I have seen really horrible kids come from wonderful backgrounds. I'm sorry, mom, but you don't get to have that much power over how someone else turns out. So how do you get through this? You start talking to yourself on purpose about what your real responsibility is with these kids. And my mom who raised nine sons will tell you, all you got to do is feed them and keep them alive until they're 18. And then they just do what they do. Because <laughs> you can't do much more than that. You just feed them. I'm all, when I was, I'm third oldest. The two youngest ones were beating the living tar out of each other down in the basement. My mom's up singing a happy tune in the sewing room. Just making another quilt. I'm all, mom, they're killing each other. Oh, they'll be fine. You and your brothers kill each other just as much as they did. And you turned out fine. Stop worrying about it. Dude, lady, are you crazy? My parents now get interviewed on a regular basis asking, how did your nine sons turn out so amazing? If you go onto YouTube, you can type in the last name Parker. And every one of my brothers have a YouTube channel. Okay. They're all doing amazing things. They're promoting on the internet. They're all self-employed as far as I know. I think one or two of them might not be. Okay. But they all are doing massively cool things on this planet. And my parents did it old school style. Not all of them are strong LDS. Some of them are not LDS at all. At least one of them smokes and drinks on a regular basis. I don't know how many the other ones do because some of them have done it in secret, not telling us what they're doing. Okay, average amount of divorces, average amount of sexual misbehavior that has impacted their marriages, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, very normal family. So moms, stop thinking you have control over how your kids turn out because you don't, right? And it might take them 80 years before they have their Alma the Younger experience and you'll be dead and you won't be there to see it. So you may never see your kids come around all the promises that are made. You may never see them in this lifetime. Anything else last minute, BJ? Is that enough for today? We do have a few more questions, but I think we'll, we'll go ahead and keep discussing them. I know you've, you've got things here okay. in one minute. But yeah, if you want to. 
I'll just finish off. Ladies, I honor you. I reverence you. I'm grateful for you. We live in a hard time. We live in a time when things are difficult. We live in a time with invisible enemies. Maybe it would have been easier back in Book of Mormon days where you can actually see the enemy and know where to throw your spear at. A lot of stuff going on. Please continue fighting vigilantly, but not to the point of feeling crazy. Not to the point of feeling desperate. Not to the point, you know, that the mothers of the, of the soldiers at the end of the Book of Mormon, they were not able to keep all of their loved ones from dying. Even Moroni and Mormon couldn't keep everyone from dying or falling subject to the horrors of their time. Your responsibility is to stay by the tree. Karen will teach you how that's done. Your responsibility is to add a little salt, add a little leaven, add a little bit of light, small and simple things, just like it was mentioned in the women's session of General Conference. Just do your thing and then end your day feeling at peace and say, Father, are you pleased? And let him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you'll be confused when he says it because you're thinking that you had to do more. And he says, that was enough. And you're thinking you should have not made any mistakes. He's like, no, that's fine. I know you make mistakes. That's okay. Well done, my good and faithful servant. If you haven't tried it, I invite you to take the test. 21 days in a row, end your day with, Father, are you pleased? And you will experience a bizarre miracle. You might feel more peace than you've ever felt in your life. But don't be scared to say it. Don't say, I don't ask that question because I already know the answer. Do you really want to speak for God on his opinion of you? I don't think that's a good idea. All right, ladies, have a good day. Thank you, Maurice. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.